Today's teaching text comes from Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church, and welcome, everyone. Uh, as many of you will already know, we've, we've been moving this fall through the Sermon on the Mount, um, the famous Beatitudes of Jesus as the introduction of this, this sermon and uh, also the introduction of this upside-down kingdom um, that Jesus is introducing us to that, that sort of cuts against the, the dominant uh, values and narratives of the world that Jesus was speaking into and, and we're, we're finding into our world as well. Um, the opening of this sermon has been has been rich. It's been a reminder uh, that the the kingdom of God is open to us, no matter our starting place. If we are poor in spirit, if we are mourning, if we are if we are meek, um, that that the kingdom uh, still is available to us through the person of Jesus. And uh, I think what we're gonna discover as we continue to move through these Beatitudes is that they also sort of uncover some of our deepest longings as, as human beings and uh, and then show us, present that we can be confident um, that those deepest longings are going to be met, are going to be fulfilled, or even going to overflow in the presence of, uh, of the King and, and the Kingdom of God. And so um, just so our, our minds are framed in this way, the Kingdom of God is what Jesus comes to announce. It's like sort of how the gospel writers frame his ministry, that he came preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God, but also he demonstrated the kingdom of God by the people he fed, the people he healed, those he, he gave sight to, the, you know, his, his teaching was part of it, but also his life was part of it. And then his invitation was the kingdom of God. He's inviting us to come and experience the reality of this kingdom. So when you think about the kingdom of God, um, our minds and hearts need to move in a direction that this is the place where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Those, those, that's the expression of the kingdom of God. And um, this is something that was promised all through Israel's story in, in, a, in a bunch of um, the, the prophets and, and, and in Torah. That This is what the longing is for, the kingdom of God. And in Isaiah in particular, there's seven signs given of the kingdom of God. The kingdom will be a place of salvation and deliverance, just like the Exodus, but only further and for all nations, of righteousness and justice, of peace, of shalom. The kingdom will be a place of joy, of God's presence, of healing, of return to exile. The kingdom will be a place where, where people find home, where they belong, where they, they know their, their name and, and, and that they have a place. And so beautiful. And so today we come uh, to this fourth beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Uh, what, what a promise. We've, we've spoken each week about this word blessed, makarios, happy, uh, fortunate, flourishing are those who have a deep inner longing for the world to be made right. This is a, a year, this is a time where many of us sense that. We have a deep uh, inner longing for the world to be made right, for you know, different ways to say it, for the love and character of God to be expressed in our tangible life, for the reality of the kingdom that we've been describing to shine, to shine forth, for maybe the fruit of the Spirit to, to grow up and be seen and experienced, for shalom to be known, for God to, to, to be known. And, and the promise in this beatitude is, for they will be filled um, the expectation is going to be met. What, what a thing. What a thing to reflect on. What a promise to uh, drink in, to meditate on. 
that through the person of Jesus and the expression of his kingdom, we are going to be filled of these deep longings we have for, for righteousness and justice to be done. And this is a theme over and over again in Jesus's ministry. You see it at the woman at the well. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never will never thirst again. Um, right after he feeds the 5,000 and there's sort of this crowd is thronging after him after he's just 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 fed them and he says for the bread of uh, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Over and over. Last one I'll give you for right now, the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus is there at this massive uh, festival in, in Jerusalem. And on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up in a loud voice and he said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit uh, whom those who had believed in him were later to receive. So just not only is this a theme as Jesus unpacks the upside down nature of the kingdom and this Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, but it's all, it's, it's woven all through his ministry. This is what he's calling us to. So we want to explore that this morning. What does it look like to hunger and thirst for righteousness? What does it look like to be filled, uh, to be filled now and to have expectation of, of a fulfillment in the future? Um, we have this already and not yet reality of the kingdom of God that we see uh, all, all through the scripture. So uh, we're hoping not just to look at these ideas all through this series as just ideas, as just theories, as just like, oh, there's a nice platitude for us to chew on to get our week started in a, in a motivational way. This is this is a, the very like core of our of our longing as followers of Jesus. And so um, we want to lo- look at, at these questions today, how they impact our lives in a practical way, how how they how could they be lived out in a neighborhood, and uh, we have a wonderful gift in that regard today. And uh, I'm so happy to be joined uh, this morning by Patricia Manwaring, um, who who so many of you al- already know. She's been a part of TGC uh, for years. Uh, she has served as a, as a deacon in, in our church. Um, she is also maybe more famously known as the uh, as the owner and operator uh, with Gareth, her husband, of of Roots Cafe in South Slope, this beloved community that's there and and, and cafe. Uh, and so there's many, many reasons for, for many years that I have been grateful for Patricia and for the Manwari family. Um, but I think one of them that's shown up over and over again is, Patricia, I see you as someone who just lives by faith, like that you, you know, listen to God and, um, you know, seek, seek to hear the voice of the Spirit. And, and in my experience over and over again, you've been really courageous to obey. And I, I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, like more to the story for all of us, you know, uh, you know like really personally and what's going on in our own minds and hearts. But it's just been so inspiring to see how you and your family have lived following the way of Jesus and what you've done with the cafe this year in particular, which is a lot of what I wanted to get into. But um, as many of you who know Roots already, um, the Roots community have been embodying what it looks like since our world turned upside down in March to 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 demonstrate what it looks like to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, and then also to to have an expectation that we are going to be filled, that we're going to be filled now, and that we're also going to be filled in a, in a future way in the, in the full expression of the kingdom of God. So uh, I've talked enough already. That's my MO. I, uh, I just needed to get out a little setup for us. But thank you for, for coming today, Patricia. Um, I'll, uh, I'll ask you the first question, and then you can just, we'll just see where the conversation takes us. But um, 
we've even talked about this a little bit at the church, but um, uh, tell us just how you pro- that came to the the decision to in the middle of the early days of COVID to turn your cafe into a food pantry and and just sort of some of the stories and how that how that fell out. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, the beginning of March was so crazy and. Um, I remember Gareth's television job ending and the coffee shops, the business around us closing. And there was just this collective sense of panic that I think we were all feeling. And I remember one day, um, just kind of just, just the, the heaviness of it. Mm. It just, and I remember it sitting in my chest, which was making me, um, feel like it was probably COVID every two minutes, <laughs> but I just remember just like this, like stress and anxiety and feeling like I should pray. Mm. And I just remember feeling in the moment that I didn't have words. I, 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 um, but I decided to take the posture of prayer. And yeah. I got down on my hands and my knees, and, which isn't necessarily normally how I pray, but I, but I just ch- took on this posture. And I just remember just this kind of like release of the tension that mm. I was feeling. And I realized in that moment that the way we were going to posture ourselves um, in, in the midst of this pandemic was important. Yeah. So Gareth and I decided um, essentially to posture our coffee shop in a way um, that wasn't operating out of fear, but was, but was hope towards love. And so we took what we had, which was empty tables yeah. and a nose diving. Right, all the restaurants you know, were closing like down. Building, our business was like nothing. We figured out how we could run it as affordably as possible. We kept... Um, I think maybe two staff people and I worked every day and we pushed these empty tables together and invited people to join with us in feeding um, our neighbors because of it being such a community hub. We had been hearing in the midst of this people coming in and saying their jobs were, they were losing their jobs or it was just this wild people you would never expect um, just panicked. And so my idea was We'll provide them with food. Um, you could come in and you can get a coffee, but you can get a free sandwich and a free soup as well. And and initially it was a lot of um, there was it was regulars. It was a guy who was a graphic designer getting uh, soup and sandwiches for his him and his daughter. It was um, people who would come in who 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 had lost jobs um, yeah. um, taking food or bringing in food. But shortly, what began to happen was there was just this amazing um, response mm. to to this. And I remember very early on calling and talking to Josh about it and, and him just being like, yes, this sounds like a great idea. We're behind it. But but the church was incredibly behind it. And, and I think out of um, maybe the $50,000 we raised, I, I, I think like 15 of that was mm. from TGC families, which is just wild. And um, initially the plan was people would come to the coffee shop and take soup and sandwiches and um, and and grab food from that people were donating. But I think two weeks in, I got a call from a friend who was connected with the immigrant community. She She's a nonprofit um, yeah. immigration lawyer who teaches um, women their rights through clay workshops. And she called me and said a lot of the women who were dispersed all throughout Brooklyn were having difficulty getting access to food. And I had food. I was just like, well, it's great. I've got food and I've got, you know, this guy who wants to help. And so, um, 
it was kind of this amazing process of like getting the resource before getting the need again and again Hmm. and again, which was really interesting. And um, I remember the first, I remember saying yes and packing up bags for eight families. And by the end of the week, it was like 15. And then it was like, it just grew and it grew (laughs) and it grew. And I think by the time you were delivering, we had, we went from like 30 up to 50. Um, And that was amazing. Um, Just mornings when, um, Alex and Vigilis, um was would get there in the morning and help us, whether it was dialing in the, the espresso yeah. machine or packing bags of things. But it almost felt like this like TGC moment of you and um, David and Lincoln and um, Michael um, and Patrick would, would deliver food. So it was just this really wild, like my part was bringing the empty tables. Like everybody stood with us to provide the food and then, and then you guys were like bringing it to these families. Mm. So it was just this wild... Um, moment of starting with nothing and stepping into God's heart and seeing yeah. him provide for it. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's amazing. And you just covered so much, so much ground there. I, I remember, you know, pulling up on some of those weeks and um, honestly, my favorite part of the week sometimes was like, cause it was so wild. Like just the logistics of like getting toilet paper for our house for a little while was like, you know, up in the air. It was, it was weird. And like, what are we going to do about school? And there were so many questions, but there was this one stable place to go and like do something that felt like it was making a difference. And, and also that it was an ecosystem. Like there was no one way one person could do, could do this. But like, I remember just marveling at how organized, like I would look on my phone and I was going all these different places in Brooklyn. And it was like, it was working. It, like, you know, the bags were getting in the car and we were getting, you know, it delivers. Just the logistics behind that was a marvel to me. But I think about that moment where you're looking at an in- empty cafe and you pull the tables together and it's like, we're longing for something, but we have no idea how to make it happen. And even like those steps of faith where you begin to say, okay, we're going to do this much and then the resources come. Or, you know, like you said, the, the need came or the resources came sometimes before even being aware of the need. But to me, I look at that as an expression of also, this is what you guys have been doing. Like, you know, my experience in Roots is you go there for a coffee or a sandwich, but there's something else going on there. I see people in line all the time just like being cared for and people run, you know, running out from behind the counter to embrace them or, you know, like really, you know, this is sort of like the best version of, of a coffee shop where like there's like, um, so this this thing happens and 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 where did it go from there like what what uh how did you sustain it how did you keep how did you keep going in the middle of it were there times where you're like okay now we've started this thing but i don't know how we're going to keep it going you know what were those like what were the behind the scenes experiences for you and, and gareth oh yeah i mean <laughs> a lot of that there would be moments i remember just working all day and just coming face to face with people in need and just their stories and people who were having families that were sick, or one man came in at one point and was telling me he worked at two different bars, both of the bars shut down, he couldn't, um, he lost his housing because he had lost his jobs, and he was on his way to go find a shelter to check into. Mm. And just carrying the weight of people's stories, and then after that going to Walmart, you know, and, and just yeah. like in the panic, like driving f- a half hour to get to Walmart, coming home, being so exhausted, and, I just remember Gareth being like, hey, how are you? And just being like, why would you ask me that? <laughs> I've been to Walmart in a pandemic. You're probably getting, you know, just, um, just so like there was definitely this whole like very emotional um, 
hot mess thing happening at the same time, which was kind of amazing because I think that um, we put a lot of emphasis sometimes on, on how we feel or what we think and how we feel and what we think about God. Mm. But I think he's um, sometimes more interested in what we're doing. Mm. And, and you, can, you can make someone a sandwich or sit with someone or feed someone even if you are a hot mess. You know, you, you don't have <laughs> yeah. to like fix yourself first. And I think you talked about that, just like poor and being poor in spirit and, and God meeting you in the midst of that. Um, yeah, so I, I think that was really, really interesting. I was thinking on the way over here, it was raining and I was walking in the rain and I was just thinking about how when you're walking in the rain, you're not thinking about what you have to do to get wet. You're just standing in the rain, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I think God's heart is... Um, he, is feeding people, is is filling people. I think that um, God's heart is seeing his glory cover Brooklyn, mm. you know, as the waters cover the earth, or as the waters cover the sea. And I think that we just stepped into something that was on his heart, on his mind already. Mm. So even though I was like having these moments where, I mean, there was one point where a woman from a, bod a bodega down the street um, everybody was like wearing masks at this point. She wasn't, it was an early morning and I hadn't put a mask on yet. I was just doing some things and she came in and she like asked me a question and leaned across the counter and breathed into my mouth, like, which in itself is gross. But in the midst of COVID, I was just like, ah, I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh. And then it's like having to carry like these moments. And, and, but at the same time, I just felt like I just kept thinking about, Jesus touching people that no one else would want to touch, mm. you know? Yeah. And I, I, there was a moment where this guy who's an artist and he has um, hung art at the coffee shop came in and he, uh, he's an older man and had, was telling me that he had lung cancer mm. and had gone to the hospital and ended up developing COVID. And now he no longer had COVID. He just was dealing with lung cancer and he lives in his van. And I just remember reaching across the counter and holding his hand mm. And, um, and it was this moment when nobody's touching everyone, anyone, you know, and yeah. just wanting to, you know, pray healing over him and, and get him a house and save, you know, do, and all I had was muffins. I just like <laughs> held his hand and gave him a muffin. Yeah. And, and there's these moments of just like, it doesn't feel like enough, but I think the point is that God is enough and yeah. we're, we're stepping into his heart and maybe in that moment, what he needed was human contact in a muffin. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the cafe, uh, feeding so many people through, through this pandemic and quarantine and everything. And then now what you guys are doing is really interesting to me as well, that you're hosting these conversations for what people have, you know, around what people have lost during this time. And I want to cover that, but quickly something that comes up for me, just knowing some of your story from before, before you even owned Roots, um, something that I've always sort of seen in your life. Okay, so um, you're coming to our, our church, and um, I, I think you were one of the first people who you know, suggested that we needed a coffee, sh uh, like a coffee hour before church for people to mingle and get to know each other and sort of like just let out. It's like, I have this conviction that we should do this. I feel like this is from God. We're going to do it. And and same thing with like prayer meetings. Like uh, we want to have this prayer meeting for folks who are home in the middle of the day and, and they, this community can get together and pray for each other. So we're just going to start it. I feel like that like sort of like kingdom of God entrepreneurship shows up in your heart over and over again. So um, 
for someone who's listening who's like, I don't ever feel like God's specifically directing me in this way or that way. Like, what's your process for that? Like, how do you sense God's leading me in this? I'm going to do it. And like, when do you decide I'm going to do it? And how, how like, just what's that look like for you? That's a good question. Um, like, well, with the COVID conversations, I started thinking about that in the summer. And, and I was just thinking, we should probably sit and start talking about this. And then I just... Um, kind of put, kept putting it off. Hmm. So, I mean, sometimes I think it could just be a good idea. Right. And, and then maybe God's speaking to us through that. I mean, I think sometimes you don't necessarily know hmm. when you're starting something if it, if it is just a good idea or if it's God's good idea. So, I mean, I think the only way you know is by, like, stepping into it. There's not an absolute thing you can no, do to make sure, because I, I, mean, I would I do, really like that. I do think that, like, Jesus cares deeply about food, Hmm. Um, I think coming from a Jewish tradition, like the sacrificial system is about sharing a meal with God. Hmm. Jesus is walking with people on the road to Emmaus and not until they sit and eat a meal are their eyes open to see who he is. So I do feel like if it has to do with feeding people (laughs) or praying, like there's a pretty sure guess that that's, I mean, like maybe just start eating with people more. Maybe that's, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think sometimes we over-spiritualize, um, what God wants us to do. I think he wants us to love people. Yeah. And I think he wants us to be available to have our, maybe our days inconvenienced by that love. So mm. maybe if it feels like, well, I don't know what to do. It's like, well, who's around you? Yeah. You know, I love that phrase, let our days be inconvenienced by, by that love or by love. Cause 2020 maybe is a even heightened example of it, but New York in general, like there's you know, life can be hard, life can be busy, life can be expensive. You know, like if you have, if you have a family or, or, or even if not, just like, um, it seems like sometimes our margins are pressed right to the edge. Um, and it can feel like just surviving, just getting through the day or the week or the month of the year is, is enough. Um, but I have this suspicion that like actually abundant life is, is not always a careful calculation of the margins. And then, you know, this is exactly what I can neatly, you know, fit in that, that doesn't inconvenience me. Sometimes love is inconvenient. Like is, um, I'm sure there were days as you're running a food pantry, you know, like, and, and, you know, sending food all over, like that, that it didn't feel like it was fitting like nice and tidy into a, into a prescribed margin that you already had. You were just like, I don't know what, depending on the spirit to provide. And I'm I'm sure you have to take rest, but. Yeah. I mean, I think one of my big things as like an Italian woman is running out of food. Yeah. So having these tables full of food, having 15 people lining up before you even open it, like we would, I mean, they would start lining up at 730. Mm. Um, When we, when we started putting outdoor furniture out, a couple of the people began to put our outdoor furniture out for us, which was kind of amazing. (laughs) And then they would like critique um, like if, if Nathan was putting it in the wrong spot, he'd be like, the table doesn't go there. It was this hilarious. It there was this whole, but then like the ta- all the food would disappear in like an hour. And it was just like this crazy, like wave of plenty and lack and plenty and mm. lack. And I remember one day we had taken a video of just the day cause it was just so wild. And, you know, we had these tables fully stocked and, um, you know, within an hour and a half, you just watch the food just like disappear. Mm. And then the low seas showed up. Um, she was like, Hey, do you want me to bring by 
some food and I was like, yeah, some beans and rice. And she brought, she brought in like bag after bag. Her family just kept bringing in bag of groceries, yeah. bags and bags. And, um, I don't know. I think there, there were too many moments like that where you run out and then there's provision. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right about sometimes you do have to calculate, but sometimes you have to believe mm. that God's going to be in the midst of it. Yeah. Um, and I think there's risk involved. I think you, you have to live on the edge a little bit. Yeah. You have to live on the margin, but I think God, that's where God moves. Mm. I, I think about that as we've been moving through these Beatitudes. Like I'm at my house and reading commentaries and underlining something. Like I'm going to use this quote. And it's like, it's this mental meditation on, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. But so many times in the scriptures you see like, I'm walking towards the Red Sea and there's an army behind me. Like yeah. something's got to happen here. Or we're walking towards the Jordan or or we're showing up for the feeding of the 5,000s and we have these loaves and these fish and like it's not going to work or we've pushed all the tables together in our empty coffee shop or we've run out of food in the first hour. Like where the actually like substance of that beatitude comes in is like, hey, there's this deep longing and hunger for righteous or justice to be done, but like we can't meet the need on our own. So we put ourselves in a place where... Uh, God, you know, God can come through, and then so often God does, God, God does come through. Um, something you said off camera before we even started was like about like you can't make yourself go to sleep, but you can put yourself in the place where where it might happen. I I feel like there, it's something similar to that with you know, these stories of putting yourself in and you know your livelihood in a place where okay, God's got to come through, or that rice delivery's got to happen, or we're not gonna not gonna make it. So you you are meeting all these physical, practical needs for folks in the neighborhood. And it's, I know it's an ecosystem and a community effort and it's, uh, it's it was so inspiring. Um, but now, you know, you, you're, you're saying like, okay, there's all this emotional trauma and this loss and this grief that's taking place. And, and now you guys are hosting these COVID conversations. I'd love to, can you just say more about where that came from and what those nights have, have looked like just in case someone doesn't even know what they yeah. are, just sort of give us a background on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think po the way you posture yourself is really important. And um, for us at the coffee shop, we, we, it's, my family runs it, my brother and my sister, my husband and I. And we believe family is important because we believe that's posturing towards God's um, character, like God mm. as Trinity's family first. Yeah. So like when you posture in family and towards family, you're kind of in a way you're like reflecting God around you. So it's always very important for us to bring people into that. And as, and, um, as people were be, who we had, had never met before were joining us in, in this volunteer effort, um, we started to get to know more people. We started to hear more stories. And um, there was a couple, uh, Mike and Wendy, who, um, who we just would pause after packing all these bags and we would talk. Yeah. And I, I realized in, in the midst of it, like how necessary it was to hear other people's stories because then you feel less crazy. You're <laughs> like, why am I feeling so awful? And then you're like, we're all feeling awful. Okay. So I guess it doesn't fix anything, but it, it kind of validates maybe yeah. this collective experience. Not feeling like you're the only one or not feeling yeah. crazy is a, is a good value. There's totally. something to that. <laughs> totally. And um, there, I remember one woman I was talking to who the week of, the week everything shut down, she lost her job, she lost her yoga studio, mm. and her boyfriend broke up with her. But she, 
had been so isolated, I don't think she was able to see also just having that happen that week. Yeah. Um, like she was part of like this this other collective trauma of just not being able to move beyond yeah. um, just the pain of that because it was just so um, like ingrained. In, and, um, and I remember just sitting with her and talking with her and realizing um, that week was really awful for everybody. But, yeah. but when you see it as a, as a part of a whole, you know, it, and then you're also able to see how people have carried it and handled it. And um, I think there's something really hopeful about that. So um, I was thinking about doing it, um, looped David Lowen because yeah. um, he's amazing. And um, I, I totally have the idea for it, but I'm like, I need him to build the language for mm. it. And so he's been working on coming up with the, the language for this guided conversation series. And so the first week we talk about loss and, and things that have been lost in this season. And um, people have talked about sick family members or losing mm. jobs or working in hospitals and ha hazmat outfits Gosh. and just the intensity of it. Um, people, a lot of people talk about just um, uh, like going from like spending 10 years building a business and then having it fall apart and standing in line at food pantries for food. It's just crazy. Hmm. Um, one woman was getting chemotherapy in the midst of this and having to go into Manhattan every day. And um, wow. I think there's something about um, bearing witness to one another like that. Um, David talks about how um, when Hagar is, is in the wilderness being kicked out, yeah. um, Sarah, after in the Bible, when Sarah kicks her out um, in the midst of a, 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 mis a, a dispute or whatever, um, how God sees her. Yeah. Um, he sees her in her 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 desperation, and and yeah. she renames him the God who sees me. Like she sees. So I think there's something about when you see one another in pain or or um, you know poverty of spirit. I think there's this yeah. element of like taking on God's heart yeah. and and seeing each other, seeing others. So I think that's very important. But I also think the second week when we started to talk about the beauty in the ashes or the silver linings. All the people who are talking about the 7 p.m. moments of celebrating uh, essential workers. Yeah. It was interesting to hear. There was one woman who her, her, she lived at the back of the building and didn't know that that was happening. And finally, one day, someone was like, you should come out at 7 p.m. And she walks outside and her whole street, people are just standing and, and making noise. And, and there was this sense of yes, we've just gone through loss, but we're also like resilient and we're hopeful and yeah. we're standing together. So that's really important. And then the third week, we kind of talk about hope, if we're ready to have hope, what it means yeah. to have hope for our city. And so we just did our first series of three weeks and it was amazing. It was just not only amazing to have these discussions, but amazing to sit with people again. Yeah. And, I, and I think it is, it is necessary and, and it's necessary to model um, for others that it's it's doable. Yeah, so we're hoping this time around we start again Monday to invite um, a lot of coffee shops Yeah to come join us and 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 we'd love to see this reproduced in coffee shops all over the city um, on campuses and yeah. just just creating space for people to to take stock <laughs> I Love it so many reasons so a week on the share what what we've lost a week on okay where do we still see beauty in the midst of all this loss and then 
if we can't even stir it up, what do we have hope for? So, and anyone in the neighborhood can and does does come. So it's people from all different backgrounds. To me, like immediately, I mean, I know my head's in this space for the Beatitudes anyway, but to me, it's like you're recreating the crowd that Jesus is speaking mm. to, like all the things that he's already mentioned, like poor in spirit, mourning, you know, like feeling like you don't have any power to imp- apply to this situation. Like those are the exact, you know, people he's speaking to. So it goes so well that now you're doing a, a second one um, and the opportunity that it's going to, it's going to carry on like talk to me a little bit about like the simplicity of it and like um you know did it feel like i'm i'm imagining if i was going to try to turn a coffee shop into a food pantry and like you know grocery delivery system all over brooklyn that that would be daunting but this it's like we're just going to open the space and and have and ask these questions and and make space and how how the actual night's gone like is it like what's it like um it's been really lovely. The first night, I think there was just this, it was the first time we were gathering. Yeah. And, and there was just kind of this like, okay, you know, awareness of people yeah. in a way it's that, say, yeah, it's like, we used to yeah. pack people into that place. So um, we do ask people to RSVP so we can make sure that there aren't too many to accommodate. And we have people sit in the back garden and people sit in the front garden. Um, but I think, I think there was just a readiness. Yeah. There, like people are are lonely and yeah. and um, people are like longing to feel um, family. Yeah. You know, a lot of I thought it was really interesting, but a lot of the people we were bringing food to that were elderly had family in the city, but the families were trying to stay apart to care for them. Yeah. And you know, and it's just been a very complicated, very complicated. So I think to to be pulled into something um, was just it just you could kind of feel this like release and and relief of just right we're created for this we're created yeah. to be with people um yeah so i think the first week there was like a the little bit more tension of how do we do this <laughs> but then by the third week it was just such a comfortable people were able to be really open and yeah. vulnerable and um it was really beautiful and yeah it is a, just a very uh, a very disparate group, group of people one woman is the sole caregiver for her elderly parents hmm. who are both um, a bit depressed months yeah. in. Her mother um, volunteered at the Red Cross for like 35 years and then was let go because yeah. she, she's this 80-year-old woman and all of a sudden she doesn't know what to do with herself. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of the people who've already been coming in and have been aware of what we've been doing at the coffee shop. It, it gave them an, an opportunity to actually sit and be heard. Yeah. So that was really beautiful. I do think, too, like, when we first decided to push our tables together, we would have never imagined that we would be delivering food to 51 families, yeah. like over 200 people twice a week. Like, yeah. we wouldn't have. And I think sometimes that's how you God... You might not, not even gone there no, if you thought no, you would. Yeah. I definitely would not have gone there. I mean, it was, that's crazy. But I think sometimes maybe just in how God leads, I think he gives you, like, maybe the next step mm. or like the next half of a step, like push your tables together. Yeah. And then like slowly it builds. And and I think that that's sometimes when, if you pause and you're like, wow, I, I would have never said yes to this yeah. if I had known how, or maybe I would have, but it's just, I think he doesn't ask you to say yes to the big thing first. Mm. You know, he, he I, it wasn't, start bringing all these people food with nothing. Yeah. It was just push your tables together. Yeah. 
I'm going to mangle it, but there's something in, in Lewis's writing where he talks about, like, he's talking about spiritual longing and what that points to, that if we have the longing, we should pay attention to what it points to, this, these spiritual longings. And he says, basically, like, if I get hungry, it doesn't necessarily mean that food's going to be available, but it certainly should indicate that I come from a race of people that, like, are nourished by, by eating food. And so, like, sometimes it's just that that longing or that initial instinct or this question that maybe that leads you into the, the, you know, the more will be revealed and sort of the, 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 the future fulfillment. Um, thank you so much for telling us these, you know, a few sort of elements of your story. And, um, I think it's such an outpost of the kingdom of God, you know, like moment. Um, and now as you've lived through turning your cafe into a food pantry and a, a delivery, uh, you know, sort of ecosystem, and now you're hosting the second round of these conversations. To me, and and um, you know, not to give you a big head, but it's like living out the beatitude: "Blessed are those who are hung- hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled." So, um, all these many months later, like, how how do you reflect on that? Is there any like final words you would say around that that concept for those of us who are trying to apprentice under Jesus and not just have these be in our head, but like. I want to live this out. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? What does it mean to be filled now and to be filled in the future? Like, you have anything that that is on the top of your head or heart? Yeah. Um, since we took took over two and a half years ago, we've been trying to figure out what our mission statement is. Yeah. And you know, we're like, oh, we love feeding people, or we want to gather people around food, or we're trying to figure that out. And we also, at the same time, wanted to um, like find a way to to share the reality and beauty of who Jesus was. And I just realized as I was thinking about this this week, because we've started a coat drive hmm. for the shelters down the street, that essentially what's happened is we're just feeding the hungry and clothing people who need clothes. Like it's like as we're trying to figure out what we're about, it's like, oh, we're just about, you know, this very simple thing that Jesus says to do. Yeah. Um, and and I think just the simplicity of that, like Jesus says, when you feed the hungry or when you clothe people or when you sit with people. Yeah. Um, who are maybe imprisoned by loneliness or isolation, like you're doing that with him. Mm. So I, I think um, I think that just maybe like being okay with it being simple. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, I just got like a chill, you know, run through me when you said um, that we we're doing it for Christ. You know, that's... Um, there's this baseline that comes down to like, what theology do you have in your head? And, you know, like, you know, and this and that. And what church have you attended? And, and in this picture Christ gives in the in the future fulfillment of the kingdom, it's like, you fed me and, and you visited me and you cared for me. And you and and when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. And it's so, so powerful. And um, I just want to say, um, Thank you so much for your faith and for your courage and for all the unseen days that uh, you and Gareth and that sort of army of love over there at Roots have been taking care of, of the neighborhood. And um, I just want to, like, I hope Trinity Grace will be a wind in your sails. Like, I want our family personally to be that. Um, and to our to our church, I want you to know um, there are lots of ways that we can go on supporting um the work that's going on at Roots and work like it in the neighborhood. And so um, we're going to have some spaces for you to just like find out more about, about ways you can support, ways you can get involved and what's going on at Roots and these other outposts of the kingdom of God in our neighborhood. And so uh, let us be those who, who really believe with all our hearts enough to take action. Uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness 
for they will be filled. That's on the integrity of Jesus, our Savior. They will be filled. Uh, I think, Patricia, your story demonstrates it and uh, it serves up longing for, for all of us to, to do the same. So thank you so much for, for being here. This has been lovely. Thank you for and, having um, me. Yeah. Um, amen. <laughs>